Our Cancer Journey. Hello, our Cancer Journey podcast friends. I love our opening. I really do, but not today, because this is that special episode I told you about. This is the raw recording of me learning that I had been diagnosed with cancer again. So it's going to be a crazy ride, folks. So sit down, buckle up, hang on, and enjoy this insanity because this is the wildest thing you will probably ever hear on this program. It's terrible, it's raw, and it is me. So first comes an opening, and then comes the recording. Enjoy the show. Here we go. Hey, our Cancer Journey podcast friends, it is Bruce, the host of the program, and this episode you're just about to listen to is the raw recording of me finding out by dialing into my healthcare portal at about 11.30, 11.45 at night that I was just diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the show right before this, the one on my journey to strength and vulnerability, do check that one out because that incident, the thing I report in that podcast, happened just moments before I dialed into my healthcare portal and learned that I was likely diagnosed with a brand new cancer after five years of being NED. I grabbed a handheld recorder. I didn't even know why at the moment, but I had committed to being more vulnerable and trying to share things about my personal life that I had never shared before. And if it could help people, I was going to try to do something with it. So I recorded this train wreck of an audio of me cycling through different emotions and finally getting to a point where I realized that the most important thing is human connection, and some of my human connections that mean the most are with you. So thank you for listening to this episode. If it helps, I'm grateful. And if it doesn't, I'm horribly embarrassed. <laughs> if you'd like to share what you think and feel about this show, I'd love to hear about it. Go to www.ourcancerjourney.com Click on the contact tab and send me a note. Thanks for doing that. Until then, here's to vulnerability. <laughs> okay, so remember, we will be back with our regular Our Cancer Journey programs in the very near future. Until then, enjoy this recording of me being unhinged. And the way this recording started out was I grabbed my handheld recorder, I held it up, I turned it on, and the very first words that came out of my mouth were, I'm standing in the Hocking Hills at about 11.30 at night. I'm standing in the Hocking Hills at about 11.30 at night. A couple of days ago, I got a... What did I get? What ex exactly is the name of it here? I got an MP MRI. And I did it with and without contrast of my prostate and my bladder. I've had a little bit of urination problems for a while, but I was talking to a urologist. I went for a, was supposed to be an annual check. I think I skipped a year, but I went and my PSA had ticked up just a tiny bit. I think I was at about 3.1, which is not bad at all for my age bracket in my mid-60s. The raise wasn't super significant. It was a tiny bit. My brothers had prostate cancer. My father had prostate cancer. 
So I thought I'd better go in and get this thing checked, and I did. And as I'm speaking to you right now, just moments ago, I opened up the portal for my doctor, and I found out that I have a lesion on my prostate. I could read everything here, and honestly, it'd be kind of boring, but apparently there's a thing called PIRADS. It's a category that is used by radiologists to more standardize the way they report what they see in an MPMRI because there was a little bit of wiggle room and personal interpretation which led to the same event on film being diagnosed differently by different radiologists who are reading the results. And thankfully for the radiologists, they decided to get together and come up with a set of standards. So if something was seen on a film and it was as big as X, if somebody else saw X on another film across the country, they would report the same thing. So this PIRAD scale, that's spelled P-I-R-A-D-S, which is kind of weird because the RADS <laughs> means something different to me because I got radiation you know, to the head for the cancer I had back in 2017. They have a scale called the PIRAD scale for this radiology group, and it's PIRADS 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. One is low risk or very low risk, two is low risk, three is intermediate risk, four is high risk, and five is very high risk. So a nice distribution, seems pretty logical. I'm a four. So I have a high risk, which as they say here, is clinically significant cancer is likely to be present. Pyrads, three is clinically significant cancer may or may not be present. And Pyrads uh, five is clinically significant cancer is highly likely to be present. So I'm not highly likely, I'm just likely. So I went on the internet. <laughs> That's why I'm finding all this, by the way. It's 11.30. There's nobody to call. There's nobody to talk to. I'm here alone. I'm in a forest in this little tiny place where I'm staying. And the moon is out. And I'm probably going to go out there and stand and look at the moon. Last time I just looked over the city of Los Angeles from the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> Last time I got diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> How many times do people get to say that? But... Anyway, I'm just plowing through the internet here, and it's, it clearly I've got hours and hours and hours of reading to do here so I know what these terms are. But I have prostatic hyperplasia, which means basically prostate enlargement, which I've known I've had a very big prostate for a long time, and I've been tested and had no cancer for years and years and years. A prostate that gets pretty large runs in my family. And my father didn't get prostate cancer till he was in his 80s. But my brother got it when he was in his early 60s, like me. And he's nine years older. Um, so I can blame him. <laughs> I plan on it. But anyway, so I went to this Pirates website. And I have no idea whether they're still accurate or not. Because unfortunately, a lot of the stuff in search engines, which you know the name of, aren't really date ranked. 
So sometimes some test research can come up that seems really strong and really solid, but it winds up being three, five, eight, ten years ago, and it's it's now obsolete. So at least I've got something to say that I don't have 90% cancer, but it ain't 10% either. So it looks like I may have a little bit of an issue, and I read something somewhere else that a biopsy is like really, really, really something that would be advisable when you have a Pyrads 4. So it looks like I am going to pull the lottery ticket again. This is the only the only way I win on these kind of things, these, these high roller things. But this is what's going on. So now there's more in here that I've got to read. I'm not sure the size of the lesion. I've got to read this more. There's information about the scan itself. I don't even know what this thing means. So I'm going to go through, look up each word, and then go from there. So what I wanted to do here was just record what it sounds like when you're just diagnosed with cancer. Because here I talk to people about cancer all the time. And, you know, I've done pretty good at suspending my connection to it. As you may have heard, some of the guests on my show tell me that I need to tell my story. So I'm recording this right now because if my story is going to be told, you probably need to hear what it's like when somebody just figures out that they got diagnosed with cancer and they're all alone in the middle of nowhere because they just saw a report and I have no context. So at this point, I've got a couple of choices here. I could stay awake all night and wonder and freak out. I could start spiraling into worry and distress. You know, I wrote that article on distress. Distress is not normal stress. When you've got a deadline and you're bearing down, your focus gets better, a little cortisol comes in, your body gets amped up, and you overcome your challenge. You jump the hurdle. And that helps you. But then there's distress where the stress starts looping and there you're just worried all the time. You got imagery in your head and it becomes habitual and your body's overjuiced with all these chemicals that are supposed to motivate stress in times of danger. But now they're clicking all the time because you're triggered by everything. There's no peace. There's no time for your body to heal and calm your mind. I can go into distress right now. I can do that. And that can't possibly do anything good to me, except fulfill the need of a habit, but not the need of a human. And that's me. I could meditate. It's kind of late. I don't usually meditate one minute before bed, because I'm going to go to bed here in a minute. But I could try to do something, some ritualistic thing to calm myself. I could try to call a friend. I'm on what's called the East Coast in the United States right now. You know, my friends aren't necessarily in this time zone. They're not even necessarily in North America. I've got friends now around the globe and don't really have the ability to call anybody right now. So, so I'm kind of alone right now. So when these options are all laid out and you got one option left, 
that might be the best one. So, to the bottle of whiskey I go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I love you all. And if you don't think this news just landed like a rock, you're wrong. I was planning an extended international trip to go away and write, produce a whole bunch of podcast episodes, fulfill a couple things I've wanted to do for a while. And I was planning on doing those, but because of the little weird health issues, and waiting and trying to figure out what to do. I sure hope I didn't wait too long. But that will be seen. The last cancer ride was insane. It was uh, something that I didn't really anticipate. That's the sound. And um, I'm here to talk and tell the tale. Yes. Ah, that cork went in well. You know, I hardly drink really anymore. I talk about whiskey all the time because I love the taste. I always have. I went down into Kentucky because I'm not too far away from Kentucky where I've spent time on and off during the pandemic of 2020, 21, and 22. And I did decide to go down into Kentucky a couple years ago. And I spent probably seven weeks down there interviewing distillers, learning about the history. And it's a phenomenal culture down there with people that take great pride in a craft. It's real craftsmanship. And then the rich, crazy family histories of how some of these distilleries came to be and how they've colossally failed. And the characters, oh my God, the characters down there. You know, if you get embedded in culture, sometimes you learn these really ridiculous stereotype character types, which we fling that around irresponsibly sometimes. We have pencil sketches, just outlines of what somebody might be in a culture or a particular position. And then the most foolish of us apply judgment to those pencil sketches that haven't even been completed yet. Much of it hasn't even been filled in, but that doesn't matter. We rush to be able to judge, and then we get angry at our illusion that we paint in our mind. I went down there and just said, well, I, I think I like the booze, <laughs> and, uh, and I like the taste of it, so I just want to talk to people and see what they have to say, and I was heartwarmed by the lovely people of Kentucky and the wide variety of crazy characters I met. I'll take my one or two sips here and then just hold the rest of it, maybe in my little way of comfort. This shit is never easy, man. And this is going to be my second round where I'm going through alone. God bless my caregivers last time. Boy, it was really bad last time. But at least in close proximity to a world-class hospital where I got some phenomenal care. There are some hospitals in this area of the country, but I'm not close to virtually any of them. 
Well, I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of conversations, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. And um, maybe this is why I didn't tell my story. <laughs> God, it's rough. For all you people that just feel that you got to tell your truth and tell your story, I know many of you have said kind things about me, but I pale in the amount of vulnerability and of your wanting to be seen and heard. I've missed the mark on a lot of things in my life. Maybe that's why I don't come out and share and open up more. I want to be worthy. I want to be worthy for the ones I love. I want to be worthy for you. And yet I look at all of you and I look at many people I've met in my journeys of cancer gatherings or on the road or on a trail somewhere. The people I've met along the way and I can see in them that every single one of them are worthy. Why is it that I could see they were worthy and I can't see it in me? Well, as I clutch my whiskey in my hopefully continuing to live in because it's closer to my heart, <laughs> I will tell you that maybe this will be the thing. That helps me to finally realize that I am worthy. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's got a little bit of a lift on the end. <laughs> oh, man. I love you all. Thank you for being so kind to me and encouraging. You have no idea how much you mean to me.